terms of what we are going through right now, if I were to summarize it in a single um, you know, sentence, it would be something like, this is a time in which there are volcanically intense pressures, evolutionary pressures, for the, for the radical transformation of, of all our life structures. And that pressure is to some extent coming from an encounter with a, a multiplicity of critical developments that in many ways resembles a uh, like an, an a spiritual emergency or a uh, an initiatory crisis in a in a um, rite of passage or a a, uh, a near death experience. Your uh, invaluable project uh, on, in the on the level of having supporting men in their process of becoming more whole that's such a crucial part of this of this uh, overall um, challenge that we're that we're that we're in hello my name is clay boykin and i am in search of the new compassionate male i'm convinced that during these times of radical change that a new compassionate male is emerging as the new archetype today our guest is richard tarnas Richard's the founding director of the graduate program in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness at the California Institute of Integral Studies. He's also on the board of governors of the C.G. Young Institute and lectures at Pacifica Graduate Institute. Richard is the author of The Passion of the Western Mind, Understanding the Ideas that Have Shaped Our Worldview, and Cosmos and Psyche, intimations of a new worldview. Let's join that conversation. Hello world, it's me, Dennis, and we are in search of the new compassionate male. I'm the producer of this particular podcast, and I'm here with the founder, Clay Boykin. Hello, Clay. Hi, Dennis. Boy, what a day we have. Isn't I... it? We have been preparing for this. We're we're into the 90s yeah. in the podcasts that we have done over the past year. And I feel like that that this podcast is is really to bring us all the way up to what we have been doing. And we have been waiting for you, Rick. Hello, Clay. Hello, Dennis. That's and Rick, our opportunity, what we have been doing over this past uh, year in the podcast that Clay has started and, and allowed me to produce a, no, a number of them and participate in them, is that we've been in search of the new compassionate male and really to define and to say what does compassion within the thread of life and what is this essence and how does it inform us as human beings? How does it inform us as men, uh, particularly those of us who identify as men? And, and, and what is this process? How do we explore it? And what value could it be to us in the way forward? And in all of your work within within mythology and and uh, and and pantheism, and it's so much that we want to talk with you about it, and hope that you'll share some share some perspectives with us. Well, I'm honored honored to be with you. Uh, you both are um, obviously engaged in a, a a major project for the human race, and uh, a, 
you know, kind of a, basically a crucial one for, for our time, for sure. And so um, when, when Clay first mentioned uh, his, th this, this program and its, its theme, um, I, it, it has a, a, an attractive power to it. And uh, so that's why I'm here. I'm, uh, anything, anything I can contribute to uh, any of us becoming a little more compassionate, I'm, I'm happy to help with. Well, that's that. Thanks for that. <laughs> you know, like Dennis said, you know, we've spent this last year talking with women and men all over the world. I think we're up to podcast 93. Uh, and the consistent theme as we are in search of, I really believe that a new male archetype is emerging in the midst of all the chaos that's happening in the world. And it just keeps coming back over and over and over again, said different ways, sometimes the same way. It comes back, yes, there is this current out there. And so I've done my homework, we've done our homework, and it's this is the perfect time because to visit with you because I'm looking for the historical, the, the, the original, the, the a foundation on which to solidify what, my, what I'm learning and uh, to go back in history to astrology and your background and bolt it together and, and so I can learn and, uh, and move forward. We're all ears. <laughs> exactly. We're here to, and, we're here to other, learn. Other assorted parts and gristle and, yeah. and fat uh, in there too. But but by goodness, uh, Rick, please uh, help us out with some context because you have you have uh, talked with the great thinkers and you are one and you have been with some of the great thinkers and some of the great understanders of this humanity, this human journey, actually this, this pantheist journey that, we, that we're having. And so we wanted, to, wanted you to, to help us get some context. My personal interests um, are, they, they definitely involve uh, history and um, depth psychology uh, philosophy, the history of ideas, but I'm particularly interested in how um, the evolution of of humanity <clears throat> has been very much shaped by the evolution of its vision, of its of its uh, um, of its worldviews, which includes cosmology, it includes uh, philosophy, it includes um, social systems and gender relations and so forth, and. Uh, how how we can I mean none of us here have our fingers directly on the levers of power that change uh, the you know multinational corporate uh, policies or uh, the the major power capitals of the world uh, we're we're not in that position but we are in a position I think to uh, through our conversations through our our, our um, our thinking, our, our, our speaking, our writing, our reflecting, that, that ripples out into the world in, in ways that can shape the frame of reference within which our civilization and individual people in it uh, come to their uh, decisions and, and, and make, uh, decide what is valuable to them and, and how they want to orient 
their lives. So in that sense, um, my the kind of wide ranging interests of uh, that I think you, you, you probably will have mentioned in the in the inter introduction, some of, of my background, um, they do they do all come together in focusing on the the way in which a worldview is is uh, constituted and in turn how a worldview shapes our um, our lives so that uh, as I like to say worldviews create worlds and it, so it's very important that we do this kind of reflection that allows us to um, to be able to think about the assumptions through which we are construing reality and construing our relationships with each other because to the extent that we're we're not uh reflecting on those and we're n not as conscious of the underlying principles and assumptions that are shaping our our lives we're, we we tend to be more puppets of unconscious forces and principles that are not always the most life enhancing ones especially if you've got as much technological power uh, as our, our human race does now, and particularly our, our uh, modern Western civilization. So anyway, uh, one, one point I'll just pick up on what Clay mentioned already was his sense that a new um, archetype uh, of a compassionate male is, is emerging. And that idea that um, you know the, the the word archetype comes from the Platonic tradition uh, that, starting with with uh, Plato and in a way even earlier origins going back to uh, Pythagoras and so forth. But particularly Plato and then the Platonic tradition uh, develops an, a notion that uh, there are these deep underlying principles or forces that, in a sense, are immortal. They 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 are not bound by uh, time and space they they seem to uh, they seem to transcend uh, individual human lives in the ancient uh, imagination they were experienced as gods and goddesses quite vividly but when Plato came along um, he began to see these as deep kind of cosmic ontological principles that shaped reality uh, so that um, all males, for example, whatever species, were seen to participate in an archetypal principle of maleness and same thing with uh, the female and um, or that all, anything that is beautiful in this world is beautiful because it participates in archetypal beauty with capital B, like the very principle of the beautiful. But the reason I bring up Plato here is that unlike what Clay was implying, Plato had this sense of the archetypes as being timeless principles that were unchanging compared to the changeable world uh, that we live in. And in fact, he, he had a pretty sharp um, sense of the distinction between living inside a cave of shadows uh, and where we think the only reality is this reality of of change and mortality and and so forth and what he saw as the philosophical vision that opens up when you leave the cave and come into the archetypal light and see 
uh, the, the immortal, changeless, uh, um, transcendent and divine realities that are out there. And what I think in the long evolution of our understanding of archetypes that have happened over the last 2,500 years, we've come to see that, yes, there is a level at which they are unchanging, but there's another level at which they can go through an evolution that we human beings, um, or any species, but human beings are in a particularly uh, autonomous kind of role in relationship to them, that, we, that what, what changes we make through our will, through our insight, uh, through our courage and so forth, changes that we make in the course of our lives can feed back into an archetypal uh, reality that the human species is carrying what Jung called the collective unconscious, you know, the archetypal, the archetypal psyche. And, uh, and that therefore, um, it's incumbent upon us to kind of recognize that we have a, a responsibility for the future, uh, that the archetypes aren't fixed forever. And as a matter of fact, when you come down to the masculine and feminine, they tend to be uh, very much culturally specific. They, they take very different forms in different cultures and different eras. And uh, what has tended to happen in our, our culture, uh, as in any other, is to identify a local and temporary cultural construct of what it is to be a man or what it is to be a woman and say, that's the natural... <laughs> archetypal way of being a man this is masculine and that's feminine and don't mix them up you know and that kind of uh reification basically of what is actually a much more multivalent if i can use that term that, that mm -hmm. archetypes are multivalent they have multiple potentials a, 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 a an iridescent variation of possible manifestation and it's up to us in many ways to evolve the most life-enhancing um, expressions of what, uh, whatever, um, whether we're talking about ways of loving or ways of uh, acting, um, ways of being in relation, in relationship to each other, are we, the more consciousness and, and compassion and courage we can bring to our lives, then you actually can have a, an effect on changing the the underlying um, kind of uh, substructure that the next generation is going to enter into as it's given, as its background. Well, I, I so appreciate what you're saying. And it, it really underscores what some of the things that, that We've learned, you know, the, um, I guess Stanford has done studies and that suggest that compassion is innate. Now, it also needs to be nurtured, but it's part of our, our nature. And when I went out and said, well, I'm in search of the new compassionate male with the intent of us being able to shape, because if I can name it, if I can name this burned that's within each man who he, he may not understand what that is. Well, that's compassion trying to 
come forward, but the patriarchal system has got them shut down. But if I can name it out there and say, oh, that guys, that's compassion. That's what that is. That's the feeling that you've got there. Then with that, we have the, sh the opportunity to shape for this next period of time what it is to be a man. Yeah. 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 Naming it as you have. Naming is, it. Is so important um, because it, uh, to give a name uh, is an articulation uh, that, that allows it to come to uh, our, our awareness and, and it, it empowers it by articulating it. Yeah. Rick, can I, let me ask a, this question. <clears throat> Do you, could you see, or is it possible to see what Clay and I are intuiting that there is a receptivity in the consciousness of the human species now that may not have been before, that, that we're at a point where, that we're at a point where, and how would we know that? if we were receptive to the these concept and receptive to that like like falling on fertile soil you know that that mm -hmm. the soil has been moving that we at the particular time in our species have that have that uh that uh ability to be receptive right now more than we might have before yeah i i think uh that's that is the case um and of course whenever there's an emergence of <clears throat> among many people where there's an emergence of uh, a change, uh, an, a new um, mode of being that places in question or seems to be leaving behind an established custom or pattern that many people are identified with, that can activate resistance and 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 so in many ways that receptivity that you're rightly pointing at is also being met by a kind of um intensified resistance and um more atavistic tendency to to uh, hold on to the to the past and make and and make a more determined effort to suppress this emerging shift that feels threatening to people's uh, certain people's identity uh, and when that happens people I we all identify we all protect our identity as in certain ways the most precious thing about us and so we, we protect it as if with our life uh, and of course then that can activate when it, when it's when a person's identity is being threatened by let's say, a post-patriarchal way of being than those who are have built their entire identity on a patriarchal construct will can can uh push back and be at, triggered at, at be triggered and it can be quite uh intense or ugly and and so forth but um the 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 question that you're bringing up is a good one uh and a deep one because it it has to do with you know, first of all, is there is there a greater receptivity now? Which I agree that there is. And then the question is, well, why exactly? How does that, what has happened that this would be hap taking place now? And um, I think one big, um, I mean, over the last, let's say, particularly like the last uh, 220, 
50 years uh, since the late 18th century, on a number of fronts, there has been a, a powerful emancipatory impulse that's been at work in feminism, uh, in uh, abolitionism, civil rights movement, uh, uh, anti-colonialism, and so forth, where there's a, been an impulse to basically claim the, uh, or, or reclaim the, the dignity of all individual uh, human beings. Um, in our time, that's actually also uh, expanding to a recognition of the importance of acknowledging and even feeling uh, respect and reverence for the dignity, the spiritual dignity of all beings and not just human beings, uh, you know, to kind of break out of the anthropocentric um, constraints, even though we uh, were particularly focused here on, on, on gender relations within the human species. The fact of the matter is that kind of objectifying top-down hierarchy that's part of patriarchy also gets played out in terms of human beings' relationship to the natural uh, world that we actually are not apart from at all, but are, are 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 deeply part of, but have kind of artificially isolated ourselves from and treated as an object to be exploited. Uh, and so I think quite rightly, uh, many uh, thoughtful individuals today, thinkers, activists, and so forth, are are realizing the extent to which our our gender relations and our uh, capacity to recognize the dignity of all human beings is also tied up with our ecological uh, uh, issues, and that overcoming any one of those points goes a long ways towards overcoming all the others that they that they're all interconnected you're going to say something clay well i yes i can hardly keep my mouth shut here <laughs> you, you're this, getting lying this is a conversation well, you know your friend and colleague will keep I've mm -hmm. had the opportunity to, to work with him and, and with That's Cynthia. his 70th birthday yesterday. We celebrated. I know. I was on the on yeah, the, on the uh, call too. I was yeah. on the call too. Yeah. Well, his 29 years working with Gender Equity and Reconciliation International. You know, 10 countries and thousands of people who've been impacted. That was one Amazing of the first work. things. Yes, that was one of the first things that uh, when I began, you know, collaborating with them that he said, you know, we heal the relationship between the wounds. If we heal the woundedness between women and men, then we'll heal the planet. That that's the basis of that. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, you can't, you, one can't uh, do one without the other. Uh, right. they're, they're, they're the same psychological structures that, that are at work. And um, the, the moral um, self-overcoming that is involved in men becoming aware of the patriarchal um, constraints and injustices uh, uh, that we we kind of basically all were socialized in uh, those those of our uh, I'm sure each of us probably tuned into an episode of uh, something like um, Mad Men or something like that where you could just see in in about 10 minutes of one episode the level of 
patriarchy that was at work in everyday life. In our is, lifetimes. In our lifetimes. And and how much that has shifted in in the, the 60 years since then, or 50 years, whatever it's been, um, just so that there is some sense of moral progress of moral evolution that's taken place but yes I, I i i couldn't i couldn't agree more they're all they're all so, they're they're so deeply connected and uh geez will will keep in some will and cynthia's uh gender reconciliation work as you say i mean in india and south africa it's oh. been, been been so uh and, and will started out as a as an well mathematician but an, an ecological activist who was also deeply into transpersonal psychology, got trained by Stan Groff. That's where he and I met uh, over 30 years ago, uh, working uh, with Stan. So anyway, uh, I'm glad that was, you, you that brought was that up. Yeah, you were working, you were at the Esalen Institute. That's right. I mean, it was actually at uh, where, where Will Keepen first met Stan, uh, first met where he and I first met was at a um, s seminar that was held up in Canada at the Hollyhock uh, Institute, but but um, that was a one of you know a, a one time thing or maybe two or mm -hmm. three times we were up there. But Esalen was the kind of cradle, really, where where Stan and I were for. We both lived all through the '70s and '80s and um, worked there, and he was the scholar and re residence and I, I began as a as a as a student and then a night guard and then a uh, eventually became <laughs> a director of programs but being a night guard was really perhaps the 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 best job of of all time for me because i got to watch the stars at night over the pacific ocean which you know in big sur it's wilderness uh country so you you really are away from the city lights anyway and what are getting us off to, top well i tell you I would, let me i, I want to ask something because if i may clay please uh, is to rick you you did something to me uh just uh a while ago that that was really important to me because you late you framed the resistance to this change through the eyes of the people who are needing to defend the patriarchy for their own fear-based places. And it opened up a level of compassion in my heart that while I have heard some of this before and I've done, but the way you framed it, you, you helped me to open a level of compassion for them that I did not have before. Uh, an understanding of their perspectives of why they are afraid and why this, why there is going to be resistance. And it was so beautifully put. I wanted to thank you for that, how you moved me just in framing it and being able to see it from another person's point of another system or another people who are defending their system's point of view. It was so beautiful and it really moved me. Oh, well, well, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, I think it's uh, definitely one of the one of the challenges that any of us have when we're confronted with people that we deeply, deeply disagree with, or or or, or feel that what they're doing is is pro profoundly um, wrong or or destructive uh, or cruel, etc. And um, not 
it's it's a it's always a complex uh, challenge that we each have to remain compassionate and at the same time uh, w yeah. willing to to uh, confront it and and to also help a person become become aware of what may be an unconscious shadow that their that their light is obscuring. I want to look back at patriarchy in history. Some people that I casually, you know, that I know, there's this level of helplessness, helpless, hopeless, that this patriarchal system is here. Uh, it's, it's bad. I personally think that there's been good that's come from it. And there's bad that's come from it. And uh, right now, it, you know, my opinion is it's tipping more towards the bad. But, um, but back in time, was was the patriarchy strong, and was it going like it is today? Was it this way was back in? Was it healthier? In, well, yeah. What what was it like? Like in the Renaissance, you know, five hundred years ago, what was it like? What was happening back then? Oh, this is an immensely uh, complex question to to think of. Uh, first, first of all, I agree. I, I agree with you that um, I mean, patriarchy comes right out of nature's evolution. I mean, we—it's not just a human construct. I mean, if, uh, all you have to do is be. Or, uh, it's not the only way that uh, animal societies organize themselves, but it is one way, and it's a very powerful way. Uh, whether it's amongst some of our fellow primates or uh if you've ever you know seen elephant seals sure. uh, relating to each other uh etc so um and there's in uh earlier um hunter-gatherer societies there there was definitely a sharp distinction between uh of gender roles uh, mm -hmm. within the the society but it was um, not necessarily viewed as a hierarchy there and there is much more egalitarianism uh, uh, in the um, in the hunter-gatherer societies and it wasn't until societies became more more larger more complex uh, uh, started ha uh, having hierarchies that involved um, you know a, a military and uh, a uh, higher classes and lower classes and then as well as uh, patriarchal masculine uh, male over female uh, hierarchy um, and and those really enter in in full blast during the archaic civilizations um, which we are still kind of playing out uh, and I think in some ways, uh, I mean, even our, our great, uh, the world religious traditions are sh were, when during the axial period, the period of roughly around 2,500 years ago, um, there was a wave of religious revelations right across the, and philosophical ones, uh, across the um, high civilizations uh, from India and China to uh, to Greece and and Israel, uh, there there was a 
an emergence of a sense of a transcendent reality that was, we were talking about it with Plato, for example, of a transcendent spiritual reality that was above and superior to uh, and shaped the material world. And that world, like uh, that dichotomy of spirit and nature, uh, of, 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 of spirit and matter, of um, uh, the eternal and the temporal, of the one and the many, of, of light and shadow and so forth, all these were also interconnected with male-female dichotomy. That was built very strongly into uh, even these religious traditions. And so we've, we've been carrying it forward and modernity brought a new uh, form, uh, expression of it. And the Renaissance was quite patriarchal in many ways. Uh, and uh, even, in some ways, even magnifying it beyond the medieval period, and it and it, it wasn't really until you know, like say with Mary Wollstonecraft in the in the late um, 18, 18, uh, 18th century, like in the seventeen nineties, when she wrote um, the uh, Vindication of the Rights of Woman, and uh, and there was gradually from that point on more and I mean there were predecessors, but particularly from that point on, there was more and more consciousness of of a kind of uh, feminist emancipation. And uh, the, the, what I think is most helpful maybe to keep in mind for the issue that you brought up that's so important, uh, Clay, earlier about our, uh, or, or I, actually it was Dennis, I think, you, you brought up the idea of are we, is, there seems to be greater receptivity now to a change. Mm -hmm. And are, are, are we in fact, um, uh, undergoing such a change because of that re receptivity and why? And, and I think one big reason why there is greater receptivity is that a, a, a great vast organic development has taken place that involved patriarchy. And um, patriarchy did have uh, some uh, positive uh, qualities and virtues that were uh, inculcated as a result of it. Um, and I mean, even if you read something like um, hmm, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings or something like that, you can see there's there, there's simultaneously a, 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 a dignity and, and even warrior quality among some of the, the, the women in it. But at the same time, it's a patriarchal society. Right. And and yet there's 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 real uh, dignity. There's um, true valor. There's moral courage. There's compassion uh, that, uh, that's at work. Um, nevertheless, um, I think we're at the end of a long uh, development in which not only uh, patriarchy, but a certain kind of um, very uh, problematic anthropocentrism and uh, Eurocentrism, and of course, uh, white supremacy, which was interlinked with Eurocentrism. It was also interlinked with patriarchy. Uh, <clears throat> the sense that European and then European North American civilization carried by whites, carried by males, carried by um, often like white, highly educated, rational males. That's the, that's the top of the pyramid. And that's right. man at its best, at its best, you know, and that kind of pyramid uh, 
there's great confidence, that sense in the enlightenment of uh, progress. Civilization uh, was going to be bringing um, uh, a, a, big, a brighter, more uh, deeply knowledgeable and more liberated uh, world uh, to the future. Uh, and the last hundred years have really profoundly undermined that confidence in a kind of simplistic progress. And it is also, you know, in our relationship to the natural world, uh, exhausted I I itself. Yeah. Well, you talk, of, you, you talk about the myth of progress, you know, in, in, in your book, Cosmos and Psyche and, and Passions of the Western Mind, you know, you're talking about, and I'm going to oversimplify this, so please forgive me. We're always oversimplifying today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got got a well, you know, I, I tell my guys, uh, you know, when Copernicus, you know, stood up on the on the table in the bar and said, "Guys, we got it wrong. You know, the Earth rotates around the Sun, not the other way around." Wasn't that kind of a turning point in itself? It it, it indeed was. And by, by the way, he said. Um, I probably should be following the Pythagoreans, uh, who who said that we should keep such secrets uh, <clears throat> to ourselves so that we're not so we're not hissed off the stage. Yes, um, yes. That, well, uh, that that was in his uh, introduction yeah. uh, to the. Well, could, yeah. could, could we use a could we use a um, a. a Elon Musk analogy, that this is the first, that the patriarchy is the first stage. It got us so far, but it needs to drop. We need to drop and then move to that next. Is that too oversimplified? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if you think about the, the all of cosmic evolution as a birthing process, basically, birthing many different forms of, of being, and, 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 and each of us is is a is a flowering of of that each of us is an individual uh participant in this vast co cosmic explosion of creativity to to use mm. uh brian swim's uh way of uh for describing things Teilhardian kind of and um from that point of view as soon as you're talking about a an enormous kind of cosmic birthing process you're talking about a uh some presence of a divine feminine um it's a uh but there is a divine masculine too if if there uh, and the the whole emergence in in biological evolution of 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 sexuality and sexual reproduction is a kind of creative invention of the evolutionary process where the the you can almost see see the masculine as a kind of invention of the feminine in order to uh, ha have have mm. uh, in increase the diversity and um, creativity of the whole. But the, in certain ways, one can see patriarchy as the um, the birth canal of the great mother goddess in a in an enormous uh, uh, unfolding process that we are. Um, participating in right now but whenever you have a deep birth there has to be a dying to an old identity and to the old womb that one has been um, uh, framed within and so we're going through a paradigm revolution which is also you know to thomas kuhn's idea of paradigms is very much like a womb that 
serves as a conceptual frame of reference within which we uh, evolve until until we've gotten to uh, until it no longer fits to till the womb is constricting us and and the, the the birth contractions begin and the birth contractions involve a dying to the old identity and so in some ways i think of patriarchy as a kind of structural mold within which a larger cosmic process was was working and uh we the the great challenge for us is to is to sustain uh everything that was most noble and most um uh, worthy of merit uh in that tradition and at the same time embrace this new horizon that's opening up uh that's so that would would be authentically reciprocal uh masculine feminine and of course recognizing masculine and feminine in each side in each of us um and one thing i hope we get to before we end is this whole idea of of the solar and the lunar yes. masculine <laughs> and the solar and the lunar feminine. I was talking. Please. To, I oh, was, yes. I, I was talking with Howard Teich just this morning and we've been deep in that conversation. And I was, it was on the tip of my tongue as you were saying it. Uh -huh. Must that, have been in the, uh, in the zeitgeist. I mean, right in the, our, our so, morphic field here. Please, please. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on solar lunar. Well, if, it was Howard, uh, as you know, I think you've had him on your, your program. Yes. Um, and it, it was about maybe 25 years ago that maybe even almost 30 years ago that a, um, a friend of both Howard's and mine, who's a Jungian analyst, John Beebe, uh -huh. uh, uh, called my attention to, we were at, a, at my school, California Institute of Integral Studies, and we were talking about um, depth psychology and so forth. And he said, you know, you, you might be interested in, you know, because I also am very interested in the archetypal symbolism that's in astrology, where you have solar and lunar, a solar and lunar principles. And he said, you might be interested in how uh, Howard Teich, who is a, a friend of his, um, had been, had conceived of this. And I, I won't replicate what, what probably Howard has already shared on, on, on please paraphrase please, please do please yeah. <laughs> please, please encapsulate it from your well, I'm guessing yeah, yeah I'm guessing what he would have said just from what it means you know, to you yeah well um, Howard was particularly coming from working as a therapist with with uh, men who were trying were recognizing the need to develop this other side of themselves that, that that had been suppressed that was more relational that was more um uh in touch with one's emotions uh in touch with one's 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 body uh had a capacity for tenderness of feeling and so forth and of course in the jungian uh, tradition that is so significant in in depth psychology uh, this would be called the feminine side of the of the human psyche or the anima uh, in men. And he was noticing that his male patients were f having a hard time in thinking about that they needed to develop their feminine side. But as soon as he talked about it as developing the lunar side of their masculinity, 
it it kind of liberated them and uh from that constraint and uh and at the same time of course we can see uh in 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 women um the as long as you are calling their women's development of a capacity for autonomous you know agency for being an individual for being uh, capable of um, the assertive will and of rationality and so forth all these things that are typically masculine um, uh, in quotes um, as soon as you say well you've not you've got to develop the inner man in you even if it's inner even if you're talking about it as being inside a woman's being it's still alienated from who they are as a woman because you're calling it masculine you're calling it men but as soon as you say well this is your this is the solar part of your femininity it's a it's a it's a liberation and and so each of us and and the and the, so the solar has to do with the just think of the sun alone in the sky it's an individual when its light shines it is just brilliant but you don't see a, any of the other rest of the, the whole. It's very much uh, an individual. It's on its journey. It shines forth. Uh, uh, and the, the, well, the, the, the lunar principle is, carries much more the mystery of things and the, and the night sky and the many stars that are visible and the deep uh, cosmos, deep space that is opened up uh, in the, you know, the moon rules the night, the sun rules the day etc so um i i i kind of uh, it it took a while for me to grasp uh, and then it just started becoming a very fertile frame of reference in which i started uh applying it to the evolution of 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 humanity the uh the solar dominance of of the, of western civilization or the the enlightenment with its solar like reason it. as being the one uh -huh. sovereign truth uh, uh, uh and inadequate um uh appreciation of of many cultures or of of relationality uh in, in, in instead of being the lone cowboy of being more the sense of being uh embedded in a community go ahead Clay. you, you know uh, howard what really rang true for me were a couple of things. One, he said that the, you know, the, the sun shines and the moon reflects. And that really helped put it in context. But then he said something else. And Dennis, you remember, I kind of knee jerked when he first said it. He said, the lunar leads and the solar executes. Now, being a former Marine, my initial reaction to that was, mm -mm. but immediately after that, I said, absolutely. My time, so, in the my time in the core leadership is from the heart. L leadership is, is, is the lunar energy. I execute with my solar and boy, that was a real, and, and mm -hmm. it, you have to have both integrated. That's right. And, and unfortunately we're all, you know, so much of the population is cut off at the neck, you know, we're, stuck in our solar yeah that's right i mean the head is the solar you know it's the it's the, the sun moon the moon is the is the body and in some sense the the moon is uh, this is one of the things that kind of opened up for me in in the later years starting around 2000 i realized see in astrology 
the sun and moon there's there's a patriarchal thing that runs through astrology and and often the moon was called the feminine um, side of us and uh, and if you're looking at major sun aspects you were looking at major male figures in one's life etc so patriarchy was still running through astrology in many ways but then I started realizing that the importance that was given to the sun over the moon in astrology uh, and thinking of the moon as just this kind of satellite of the earth that's a much smaller body compared to the brilliant sun uh, you could see how there's still a certain patriarchal division there. And I, I suddenly realized that the moon, uh, as soon as you recognize that the sun is the ruler of the day sky and it's the sun, you know, at dawn, it, it, it's the, it's the hero archetype, the solar hero that awakens and, and shines its light and it divides the day from the night. It shines clarity, etc. And then it goes on its journey of life. Um, and it's our, our conscious hero's journey in, in Joe Campbell's terms. Right. But the moon isn't just this inferior, smaller uh, entity. The moon is the ruler of the night sky. And that means that the moon when here's me and Big Sur looking out at the heavens at night and seeing all those stars so brilliant. And that's what the, the moon is the symbol of the whole. And uh, in the sense that also um, like the, 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 the sun is our conscious agency that executes, as you put it. But that's a, that's a, that's an, in certain ways, an, an, aspect of a, a an, an unfolding of the whole. The deep cosmos is where there are many stars, many truths, many lights, one of which is our sun, yeah. one of which is each of our solar clay and, mm -hmm. and, and Dennis and, and, and Rick. And um, each of us is, uh, so in, the, in that sense, I'm, I was able to lift in my mind, the the moon to it's a fuller dignity. It's it is the it's the uh, matrix of of being, and in some sense, when I was talking about patriarchy as the as like the birth canal, the great mother goddess. I mean, the great mother goddess, in some sense, if we think of her as the cosmos in its ever evolving process of generation and and uh, and differentiation into masculine and feminine and so forth uh that is a um if we think of it in in those terms then we can see that the lunar principle is in some sense um leading shaping uh we we each as solar individuals are are moved by by ideals that we execute according to that are coming out of the whole they're not just coming out of our own egoic narrowness yeah you know it just dawned on me you know we talk about the sun rules a day there's times when the moon's out there in the daytime that's right yeah but there's no time when the sun's out there at night that's that's right it's it's uh the moon has a um 
the moon rules a domain that has a more mysterious relationship between light and darkness, between light and shadow. Uh, and it has an easier relationship to com um, ambiguity and paradox and com complexity, yeah. while the sun likes that clarified one truth, you know. Uh, let me I no, love I, that because that that really brings us into that <laughs> I mean that 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 really helps me uh Rick in 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 understanding this <clears throat> this opportunity of why would I want to develop my lunar masculine what would be the value to me because I'm always in it what's in it for me uh, as a, you know, what, what, if you're going to ask me to do something, what's in it for me? And if we're going to ask mankind to change or, you know, to grow, well, what's in it for us? Well, you have just beautifully laid it out. You view this, this, and the, the, all the complexities, all the under, all the underpinnings, the pieces that, that, that we have, our intuitions and our compassion and the, and the connection all come from this place in giving me value to grow my lunar masculine. I'm, I'm glad that that idea su supports that that impulse in you. Don't don't, don't forget what you're going to say, Clay. I, I, I just want to respond to go for it, uh, please. Before I forget, I I want to bring up the idea that um, we can see why this lunar principle was and has been so associated with um, the feminine. Uh, if we look in terms of evolution, our capacity for, as, as human beings, for, for compassion, for love, uh, has biological roots that come out of our, our mammalian evolution. And of course, mammal has to do with mammary, mammary glands, the, 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 the milk uh, giving mother um, to the infant. And it was the um, beginning of powerful maternal nurture in the relationship of uh, mammalian mothers to their offspring that seems to have uh, provided a kind of biological infrastructure for the long evolution of, of love and compassion. Um, not that I, I also, I, I'm not a biological reductionist, but we are, uh, but there is a subtle uh, interplay between um, biological evolution and spiritual evolution and, and spiritual, I, I think in some sense, the, the divine is, calls us as we are evolving biologically and cognitively and, and emotionally and empathically and so forth. And so um, I think in our time, as to as to as to what is the Dennis like what what is the <clears throat> what is it in it for me what what is the payoff for a man to develop his his inner lunar or his compassionate side his relational intuitive his connection to the whole um, to others in that I thou way rather than just I it um, yeah. I think the uh, I had the um, privilege of raising my firstborn child by myself for most of his first five years. And that, um, that was deeply, deeply, 
deeply nurturing. I, I was the oldest of, of eight children growing up, and so I also had a lot of experience, you know, with uh, little little babies in my life and little younger brothers and sisters. But um, the a, a man tenderly holding his child, his baby, uh, being present at the birth, if at all possible, and but then tenderly being with the child from a very early age is so significant. And that's the lunar masculine at work. It's different than being maternal. It's being paternal, but in a lunar way, you know, in a way that is in touch with um, the empathic and the tenderness uh, uh, and so forth. And that's, that's an immeasurable um, gift that men who are too identified with just going out to work and then coming back and the, all, all the all the relational work, all the parental caring of the of uh, in the tender emotional um, details of childbearing and child raising for the man not to have anything to do with that is such an impoverishment for men. It's just like half of their their being has been uh, uh, amputated. Boy, I've certainly learned that over the past three years. We've had the had the opportunity and the pleasure to have our little neighbor boy across the street from the three months on, once a week, mm -hmm. to stay with us and so forth. Huh. I had I'd never had my own children, so to witness and to feel in that nurturing, the intimacy, the that whole was brand new to me and it's fresh and uh oh my gosh you're so right that that's... i'm so glad you've had that uh, that that gift and if something in you um drew towards you that possibility you know that there's a neighbor there who has a little child yeah. who uh, and and there's a, a perhaps a need that uh, you were there to fill yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Rick, I, I, I want to something you said much earlier when we were talking about how how we might not be uh, the the Bezos or Musk or or have the, you know the captains of industry as they as they are constructed right now. But I think about a snowflake. What is that last snowflake that starts the avalanche? and you never know when it's going to drop. You don't know which snowflake it is. You don't know what, but it feels to me that, that, that that's what's happening, that all of us are adding to this. And we will never know when the, 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 when it, when the shift happens, but have we not been that snowflake, it would not have happened at that time. That's, that's so important. We just, you just, you don't know. And one thing we do know, though, is that uh, nothing is wasted, nothing is lost. Every, whether it's the smallest um, interior shift that an individual person has gone th going through in uh, perhaps uh, a, um, a husband and wife uh, working through some difficult emotional problem between them and uh, some shift takes place in terms of mutual understanding, in terms of uh, uh, breaking down the defense, defensive armoring 
and and there's a kind of psychological and spiritual step that is taken just by these two people in the privacy of their bedroom talking and 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 something that goes out into the universe it it, it, it there's uh n no there's no we're not isolated uh what skin encapsulated egos as as uh alan watts put it um we're all so uh interconnected and every individual uh, t um sentence that is spoken or feeling that is felt or relational um exchange that is uh undergone is a um is is another snowflake in in this l larger uh yeah yeah event well well i, I wanna I, I i'm gonna let me just jump in here dennis yes in fact clay you you i i didn't let you say something <laughs> no i don't know if you still have that <laughs> i still have it your vast background and deep understanding of archetypal astrology and i've seen and watched over and over and over again as many of the youtube videos with you speaking on that uh as i can and they're absolutely fascinating and anybody that's listening to this i really really encourage you to look up richard tarnas on youtube because it's incredible incredible work can you speak a bit about from an astro astrological standpoint, where we've been, where we are, what does it look like going forward? Uh, such a simple question. Yes. Uh, no, thank goodness. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Clay. Yes, and 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 uh, and and I'll be using a frame frame of reference that is uh, regarded as the gold standard of superstition in our culture. So uh, <laughs> yeah. you're well, the only think, person, by the way, you're the only person I'd ever asked that question of. Well, I um, I pr I appreciate your uh, your kind words about the. The, the videos that I, I'm not even sure what, um, you know, I've been giving, um, Stan Groff and I taught many uh, years together, uh, probably almost 40 years together, many graduate seminars at CIS and elsewhere, uh, uh, on this kind of synthesis of depth psychology and the astrological tradition, which, which Jung, um, initiated, uh, in many ways. And, but, it uh, kind of exploded and in, in, certainly astrology was not something we anticipated taking seriously, but it proved to be, as, as Stan has said, it's like the Rosetta Stone of the human psyche. And of course, not all astrology is uh, of a high level of uh, value or, uh, or even, you know, there's even irresponsible forms that are out there. Right. Right. Um, but uh, I think a um, a rigorous and uh, c uh, careful um, study of the planetary correlations with the archetypal patterns of human experience it, it can be extraordinarily illuminating. And um, I think maybe if any of your your listeners want to 
tune into something that I, you know, of, of those videos that are out there. One I know that I did a few, just a few weeks ago that kind of is basically was addressing a, an audience that wasn't necessarily deeply conversant with astrology uh, would be this one I did on our current planetary transits. And this would also probably be a more adequate answer to your, your question about what's perhaps going on right now. Mm -hmm. And that's a, uh, that video is called, uh, I think if you just you, um, do a Google search for Richard Tarnas on the planets in 2021. Uh, it's uh, Richard Tarnas on the planets in 2021. It'll come right up. There's a archetypal view is a, is a channel on YouTube that hosts a lot of my videos. I know uh, Chad Harris, uh, who runs that, he has put a lot of my videos there, but that's one that many people could, could uh, perhaps tune into. And there, and the one I did prior to that in that series also for um, a, that same um, more l public audience is uh, called what's what what's happening in the stars right now question mark nice <laughs> that was that was an, a response to getting that question so many times so i just okay <laughs> let's just call this one what's happening in the stars right now i've and watched both in, of those i've and i've i've savored them there's wonderful and, and we'll put links and then, oh, of yeah. course the name oh, yeah. when that is watching will go ahead and and have links but but, but let, I want, let me but let I me answer to, answer clay yeah. uh, just before you, you you go on dennis just to do justice uh, or initial justice to to clay's uh, <laughs> uh huge question if we look at i mean there's a there's an enormously uh significant convergence of uh, outer planet alignments that we have been going through over the last few years, and particularly the last uh, three years, things have been, uh, and and even the last year, things reached a a kind of um, climax of of uh, intense archetypal energies at work, and astrologers saw this coming for for years. We we knew something was going to happen. You don't it's archetypally predictable it's not concretely predictable so we don't you don't know the specifics but you can tell what the archetypal qualities are that will be constellated in the collective psyche at a given time um uh, my book cosmos and psyche is basically devoted to tracking that in in history in a way that uh, i think helps make that claim credible but um in terms of what we are going through right now, if I were to summarize it in a single, um, you know, sentence, it would be something like, uh, this is a time in which there are volcanically intense pressures, evolutionary pressures for the, for the radical transformation of, of, of all our life structures. Um, and, that pressure is to some extent coming from um, a, a, uh, an encounter with a multiple uh, range of a, a, a multiplicity of critical developments that in many ways resembles a, uh, like an, an, a spiritual emergency or a uh, an initiatory crisis in a in a um, rite of passage, or a a, uh, 
uh, a near-death experience. Yes. Um, and I mean, we're, we're facing as a planet, as a civilization, as a species, we're facing mortality in a way, I mean, even prior to the pandemic, uh, in terms of, of, of climate change, uh, mass extinction of species, and the human um, vulnerability to, uh, the, to climate change right now, and what this is going to signify over these next uh, decades, um, that combined with the spiritual crisis of, of, of alienation uh, uh, that modernity has helped constellate, uh, socio-economic uh, uh, changes and collapses of old structures and political crises, uh, such as certainly our country is, is still in the midst of. Um, in all these respects, uh, it makes me think of how there is nothing like a near-death experience uh, for its power to reconfigure our moral values, like yes. what we see as important. You have an experience of, of where you, you think you might die or you almost die or something like that. It is a, uh, where you really are facing mortality. You come out of it uh, thinking, What's what do I see as really important in my life? I'm going to re reconfigure how I'm living so that I honor those things. Because I'm only here for so long and I realized that a lot of what I was spending my life doing was rather meaningless compared to what uh, I want to uh, be thinking about when I'm on my deathbed. Um, like, d did I uh, did I really nail that quarterly profit margin? Uh, it's not the first thing that's on our head. It's like, how much did, uh, were we able to uh, express and experience the love in our, in our family and among our friends? How much did I help the earth uh, in one way or another, um, et cetera? So, uh, I, I think, in some sense, uh, both the archetypal. I'm, I'm obviously having to be very compressed here and not going into specifics, but the 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 overall uh, picture of a um, of a convergence of of archetypal energies that is uh, that is constellated in the collective psyche right now that is uh, really pushing us through what Stan Groff would call a kind of perinatal crisis, a, a, a facing of, of, of death and a, and a, um, mm -hmm. and a, and a birthing um, that, that's quite dramatic. And, that, and you can't, in such an experience, you can't have a pretend near-death experience for it to work. It, you, you really, it, like, just like a kind of weekend workshop where you just think, uh, you know, uh, that that's going to do the job. It's it's a everything has to be on the line for one to really sense that sense of uh, sense that uh, quality of moral gravitas, and that's right. what we are as a species and as a civilization going through right now. We yeah. this this is a it's no joke, and and it's really pushing us to be um, re. I mean, here, here, what the, the two of you are, are, are doing in your, your uh, invaluable project uh, on, in the, on the level of having, supporting men in their process of becoming more whole. That's such a crucial part of this, of this uh, overall um, 
challenge that we're that we're that we're in. And so each of us is kind of doing our our thing as well as we can to support this larger transformation. What I, what I love about the the about what is happening now, it seems like that that when the internet happened, it felt to me as if the the synapses of consciousness connected and that we suddenly what would have taken what would it have taken for me to have this conversation with you rick and clay what would it have taken before we do but i could i could have a movement in in at a cellular level, I can have a movement of my consciousness, of the growth and shifting consciousness during this time. 20 years ago would not have been possible in the same way that I can have it now. And if I am ripe, I can count that many, many others are ripe and that this is happening. And it is, it is, a, uh, it is lovely. One of the things about you, Rick, that is so deeply um, moving to me is your inclusivity. And, and you, you, you acknowledge in everything that you say, not just Clay, when you're, when you're, when you're saying, you know, I wanna, we'll go back to that and remember that or, or that, but you acknowledge, you have worked so hard to acknowledge the, the entire the, the, the cosmos as part of a, of a process of, of an and gate rather than an or gate that, that you have that is, is just profound to me, Rick. I am, I'm so deeply grateful to, to, to meet you at this level and to, to participate in this conversation. Well, that's, I, all I can say is that if uh, everything that you just expressed uh, has to be a, a uh, a reflection of who you are, uh, uh, or else you would never have felt it or or, or said it. Uh, and so, I I'm I'm honored by you seeing the, that part of uh, part of me. And um, since we are we are our kindred spirits here, uh, the three of us, uh, and and I'm sure the whole community of of people that listen to your and watch your your podcasts are um, are participants in that as well. How wonderful. Clay, I'm going to leave you two to the after party. I, I encourage anyone to tune into the after party that is going to be part of this uh, wonderful opportunity. And, and thank you both uh, for, and I thank everyone who is listening, everyone who gets a chance to watch to seeing another episode of In Search of the New Compassionate Male. We'll see you next time. Rick, I so I'm so grateful. I really am that uh, that that we had this conversation. I there's so much that more that I'd like to dig into for my personal understanding. Um, you know, we really are in search, and uh, and along the way. People are joining that search, and uh, both men and women, you know, literally half of the people that follow the podcast, half the people that have visited my website over the years, 
half the half the followers are women they're looking for a resource for for their man yeah and I'm, they're, they're in search of a of the compassionate male too <laughs> th they are they absolutely for, are and for, for uh, very good reasons i'd like to invite you back well thanks well let, let's um uh we we've we've got uh, a a decent foundation now for for a, fu a future conversation and um you know maybe in in uh in in a few months your uh audience would would appreciate a a, re a return engagement i i really think so it's it, it's a it's an iterative process and in earnest you know i i don't come to the podcast thinking i've got the answer uh, it's an honest search and the questions are are from the heart and i'm grateful that that's where the answers came from today well, thank you. I, I, I sense that in, in, in both yours and Dennis's uh, questions. It's, it's been, been great to get to know you, you both in this conversation. And um, thank you for, for welcoming, welcoming me with such uh, um, kindness in introducing me to your, to your community, too. Well, thanks again, Rick. It's a very special afternoon, and I'm, I'm truly grateful. Thanks, thanks, Clay, for having me, and okay. uh, appreciate the appreciate the invitation. And you guys make it very easy to converse with you. <laughs>